Now, Lord, be lifted up. Be lifted higher, Lord. Hmm. It's amazing that as we worship God, there always comes a time that we that you feel God's presence more than more than before. And he it's like just God's entered the room. And uh, that's why we worship together. That's why we come together on a Sunday and corporately worship his name. It's not for that feeling, but to experience the presence of God. Because that world changes. So, um, yeah. I hope that... Uh, that if you come to church long enough, you would be a different person after a while. Like no matter where you are in life, I, I hope that if you keep on coming to church, that it'll actually change who you are. Um, and I, I think even, like even in the way we worship God, the words that we just got today... Um, like we, it's, it's funny, but social programming is a very dangerous thing in our lives. We taught certain things as we grow up. And definitely in our culture, in our Afrikaans, predominantly speaking culture, and I'm telling you, it's not just here. We are not alone. If you go to the belt, Bible Belt of America, there's a whole bunch of states. It's called the Bible Belt. And it's a stronghold of the Baptist church and of good moral value. But um, it's the funny thing that in that setting uh, and in our setting, we were learned or taught uh, a proper way of respecting God is to be quiet and respectful. And we have to change a little bit the way that we sound and act. And dress. And it's not that those things are necessarily wrong. But, so if, if I ask you, like, if, like, a rugby star of South Africa walks into town, what would the people's reaction be? Would they go quiet? No. They'd be excited. It's like, wow. Like who? A name. Come, give me a name. Nos Boeta. There's an old guy. We might, we might, I might, I even know who he is. Go Dirk. Nos Boeta. Good name. Good name. Best fly off that ever lived in the world, just by the way. I think he, he's famous everywhere. But we would. We would be like, Nos, no ways. You're here for the Kokon car. We're so happy to see you. Yes, you remember that kick that you, that you landed from the quarter line against Western Province. I didn't even support you, but you were great. <laughs> right. But when God walks into the building, we go, Oh, holy God. It is with great honor and adoration that we come to thee. And we want to bow down low. Right. Why do we, why do we have a different adoration all of a sudden? Why do we? I don't think it's always proper. 
There is a way, there is a place that we read in the Bible where God is king. And we go, oh, I'm going to be lower than him. Right. That, there is. There is that. But there's also a place to absolutely just lose yourself when, when we worship God. And I really hope that if we do this long enough together, we'll get there. Where we will worship till there's sweat on the floor. And we walk out of here after two hours of worship and Otsurin goes, what happened there? What happened there? You know that, that those kids in, in university in, in, the, in Kentucky, that's all they did. They started worshiping God. They just kept on going. They weren't even really jumping up and down, but it caught the, it caught the world's attention after a little while because they were just worshiping their king, just worshiping with everything they had. I hope that we could get there. You know that we could catch the world's attention. We could. We will. Josh Jen has. 412 has. But can we? And I think we can. I really think. I, I believe that. So this morning, so I wonder uh, if I should jump to... I want to read the, the part that I said last. I want to read that first. Just because of where worship went. This was not, I thought I would read this too. But this is a poem in Colossians that Paul wrote to the Colossians about Jesus. So, and in line of what we, what we felt, in line of even the light, that you did see that in all the songs, eh? like Lord's Light. <laughs> but this is who Jesus is. That is that's the words that came. And I actually I had this for later, but I want to read it now. And I want you to keep this in mind as we talk about other things after this. So this is who Jesus is. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Even Osbota was made for Jesus. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. Meaning... He rose first from the dead so that he can be king. He rules supreme. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then it goes on to talk about who we are or who we were and who we became. But that's Jesus. That is our king. Preeminent. Supreme. Ruler. Head of the body of the church. That's Jesus. So keep that in, in mind. That is who we, who we serve. So I love community. Because during the week, things come out, out of community. Like the, the guys phone me and say, this came up in community. What do you think? And I don't always have an answer, so sometimes I have to go look for one. So this morning's preach really came 
because I looked for some other answers and then I found this bit. So I'm not going to talk about what the community was struggling with. I'm going to talk about <laughs> what else I saw. And uh, it's in the letter of Colossians, which we just saw a bit of, uh, that Paul writes. So Paul writes a letter to the Colossians. Why? Uh, I think it's always good to get a little bit of an idea. Why did he write this letter? So um, he write, wrote the letter because he didn't plant Colossians. He had never been there. Almost nobody in Colossians ever met Paul. Uh, a guy by the name of Ephesus, uh, and Paul names him. He gives him credit. He's like he planted. He, he he preached the gospel to you, and you believed. So Paul and Timothy writes the letter to them to clear up a little bit of theological things in in there that they were struggling with, and to encourage them. So that's that's what it is about, and. The first part, uh, Colossians can be, is like in four parts. And we're only going to look at the first bit of it, like the first part of Colossians today. And that's really where he's very encouraging. And he shares with them what he dreams of the church. So Paul and Timothy write the letter together. And they, in the first, first bit, it's really like, it's a prayer, but it's a dream for the church. So, have you had a dream, not the one where you wake up and you remember or don't remember, a dream of who you want to become, or a dream of what you would like to do, that type of dream? Huh? Still have some, hopefully. You must have many. We can have less. <laughs> it's very, like, different. Maybe we must mingle you a bit. Get the age down on the, on the left-hand side. <laughs> So, got some some older grey people there in that tide that can <laughs> hold up the fort for us, keep the youth going. Um, but yeah, dreams—they're important things. So, I thought back about myself and what dreams I had, and uh, it's interesting. There's a dream that I never remembered. My brother re- reminded me. We shared a room when we grew up. And some time ago, we were having lunch or something with him. And he said this. He said, when you were little and anybody asked you (laughs) what you wanted, it was, I want to be happily married. I got it. I did. Sorry. But it's true. When I was little, that's all I wanted. I wanted to be happily married. And next to, after that, I said, I probably grew up a little bit. <laughs> I said, like, and I want my own kids. Probably I didn't want my brother and my sister. <laughs> You're not coming along to my marriage. I want my own kids. <laughs> so I even got that. And they're great kids. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. God seems to add to their number daily. <laughs> but uh, that was a dream. And it's, if you dream something, you can, you can get it. Many of the things that some of you walk, walking in today were dreams at some point, And now you walk, I want to be a doctor. And now you are. 
I want to help people, and you're helping. Those are good dreams. And um, what was another dream that I had? Um, oh, this I do remember. I dreamt of being a minister in the church. Yeah, I wanted to be like my grandfather. He was a minister in the Dutch Reformed Church in Derest, not that far from here. And he was my hero growing up. So I wanted to be him one day when I grew up. So I practiced every night in bed to be the minister. Yeah, I did. So <laughs> I would be everything. So I would have to do the announcements. And then uh, I, would be, I would be the organist and the, the leader of the song thingy. And then I would do something like the law, remember? Brothers and sisters, ons is hier saam vandag. Ons is nie hier op ons eie nie. Ja, I did that. Ons gaan lees uit Exodus, wat is dit? 20, Mark Sweras. Ja, that's Exodus. We're going to read the Ten Commandments, but I swear as 20, nee. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> You know that. That's how you remember where the Ten Commandments are. It's like, we're going to read the Ten Commandments. Mark Sweros 20. Exodus 20. Um, but I did all of that. And it was a dream. It was a dream I forgot. And Monet van der Valt, one day, in, in Malpos, we were deacons, I think, back then. And, and he, he came into my house one day, late on a Wednesday, I remember it. And he sat down and he said, Davi, have you ever considered being an elder? And I went, no. I'd forgotten. And he said, really? Never? I said, no. But somebody, something woke up that day. Yeah. He, he reminded me of a dream. So that was a dream that God had for me. That was not just my dream. That was actually God's dream. So uh, I have some more dreams with Paul and Timothy. I have some more dreams. I have dreams for you guys. And uh, I hope that by the end of today, well, in, by the end of 40 minutes, <laughs> that, uh, that you'll have the same, some of the same dream for, you, for yourselves. Is that good? So look, let's look at Colossians 1, right? In Colossians 1, he's, Paul's writing to the church. What does he write in 1, 2, 8? Well, actually, he gives us a picture of Colossians being a very healthy church. So he says they have faith, they have love, they have hope. That's what he says. It's like filled with faith, love, and hope. So they're a great church, right? He also says uh, they've heard the true gospel. So they've been exposed to the truth. They don't have a false gospel. Um, Ephraphus did a great job. He explained the true gospel to them, so they have it. He's also saying that, he has a good point. He's saying that they are not alone in the world. So I want to tell you guys, we are not alone in the world. We serve Jesus with others. We're not alone. There's some more just gens. There's more churches in 412. And guess what? Actually, outside of 412, there are some saved people. 
<laughs> there are some true churches around. It's not just us. <laughs> There's more. There's more. There are more Christians out there. That's the good news. And what does he say about that? He says the same thing is happening to the rest of the world when they're exposed to the gospel. What, it, what happens? They're bearing fruit. As they understand God's grace, and this is another thing that, that they had, was they understood God's grace. And because they understood God's grace, they were bearing fruit. What was the fruit that they were bearing? And what the whole world is bearing today? Faith, love, and hope. That's the fruit. That's the fruit from the gospel in your life, is that you'll have faith, you'll have love, and you'll have hope. Hope of eternal life. That's great. So what, what else could there be other than that? Because that's, that's who they already were. That's what they were living in. But then Paul and Timothy says they have a prayer or a dream. So here's the dream. That's with, from verse 9. He says, now because they have faith, love, and hope, he says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so, so that you may have great endurance, patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of lights. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So I'd like to unpack that, that bit. This is his dream. And I, I share this dream for us. So first of all, he says this. He says, filled. You can leave that up there from the beginning, like verse, one hour, verse 9. He says, he's praying for them so that they will be filled with the knowledge of the will, of God's will, through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So, here's something that they don't have. And to me, I get the sense that he's, he's really speaking to individuals now. So, <clears throat> I know what God has for us as a church. I know what he has. It's in the Bible. I, don't, I know what he has. I don't know what God has for you as an individual. Some people I do have an idea because God gives me an idea. But I can't put that idea on you, leading you. I can't. You've got to hear that from God. You've got to find it. And that's what he's praying. He's filled with the knowledge of God's will through, the, through wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. God's will for your life. What is God's will for each one's life here? And with Paul and Timothy, I want to pray for all of us, for me as well, that we would be continually filled. Who fills us? God fills us, the Holy Spirit. Filled with what? The knowledge of what his will is. 
so that we would know. This is not just be us being saved. They're saved already. They know the gospel. They have the fruit. What do they need to be filled with? Every day, what do I do today? What is it, God? What, what, what today? After lunch, for lunch, who do I see for lunch? What do I do? God's will. For every second of your day, you could hear God's will. You could walk perfectly in God's will. Filled. Like, filled means like, you know, you make a cup of tea and then you, for somebody, and then you've got to carry it to them. You can't sip it because it's not yours. So you can't, don't do it, ne? Ni my tea drink, ne? Um, <laughs> looking at my kids. <laughs> so the, the cup is filled to the top, and now you've got to carry it to them. It's like, girls can do it, guys can't. That's why we all have to be waiters somewhere, so that we can learn to do it. Easier on a tray, but any, anyway. Filled to the brim, that you'd spill if you get moved around. So that God's will can spill out over, over, over wherever you walk. That would be good, don't wipe it up. And then what? So now you know what God's will is. Why would you be filled with God's will for your day, daily walk? Well, put that down. So that. It says there, so that. It says, uh, in order that you may. So in my translation, it said, so that. In order that. So there's a reason why you need to know what God's will is. Here it is. A couple of points. To live a life worthy of the Lord. You can live a life. You can, this is what you can do. This is crazy. To be worthy of something. Can I be worthy of, of my mom's affections? I think it's tough. My mom was amazing. Can I be worthy of my wife's affection? That's also tough. My wife's amazing. But can I be worthy? Of God, of Jesus' price that he paid, worthy of that? The answer is yes, you can. I have a dream that we can, that we can, we can know God's will to such an extent that we could be worthy, walk in such a way that we are worthy of the Lord. Yeah. What would that look like? What would we look like if each one of us walks that way? We'd be unstoppable. This congregation would become worldwide renowned. If each one of us does that bit, you can please him in every way. It's the second thing. Pleasing him in every way. So not, not alone are you living a life worthy of, you're going one step further. Everything that God has for you, you are pleasing. It's like if he looks at, at the world, he goes... Have you seen my daughter, Yana? She pleases me. Have, have you seen my son, John? He pleases me. Dirk, he pleases me. Bernard, Simon, Thomas, Nathan. They please me. They are my, they please me. If I look at them, I am pleased. It gives me joy. That's what God says. Like you can, crazy, but we, you could be that. 
You need to know what he wants you to do. Bear fruit in every good work. Wow. I, I would like to know that the stuff I do has, a, has fruit. In other words, it means <laughs> I love YouTube too much. <laughs> I love this. Before I go to bed, confession. I look at YouTube videos without sound. It's amazing. You can read what they say so you don't have to disturb your wife. These little subscripts are brilliant. (laughs) Sometimes they get it wrong. But some of the things I love watching is growing plants. Closet farmer. Right? So, growing plants. Last night, I saw, I don't know why this comes up. It must be Nathan. Because he uses my login and my wife's login. <laughs> but last night, there's this guy coming up. He's like a, like a Eastern guy, like a homestead farmer thing guy. He's walking around with his pluckies. I've never seen his face. You see his hands and his feet. <laughs> and, uh, and he does all these things and he makes it look so easy. So last night I saw him grow potatoes. So he literally takes 10 potatoes, he puts them in like sand, he doesn't tell you what the composition of the sand is. I think one, I, there's already a problem. <laughs> then he covers it with a little sand, he doesn't say how deep, you're going to have to, maybe it's not that important. And he waters it, and then he says, 10 days later. And then he takes them out, they all have little roots. Then he has this whole tray, on. it's like a tile floor, it looks like his courtyard. And he built a little makeshift box out of a plank and some bricks. And, uh, and he fills it with soil. Again, doesn't tell you what's in the soil. Uh, it looks a bit sandy, but it's too brown. It's composty. Puts it in there, makes a little row down the middle. Then he takes the potatoes that he's taken out of the bowl that he prepped a couple of days before. And he halves each one. And he dips the one side in cement. Yeah, I also thought, huh? <laughs> but that's what he did. That's what he did. He dips it in cement, and then he just the side that he cut, and then he puts it. I think it's to stop it from getting fraught, probably because he cut it. Just thought of it now. So uh, then he puts that into the soil, and a little row, like literally ten centimeters apart, down this little thing, and he he covers it. I'm talking. He's got a foot of of soil, like thirty to forty-five centimeters. And then covers it up, waters it once, once. And then never waters it again, according to the video. But then he says, like, 10 days later, and there's little potato plants. And then he says, 30 days later, and they big potato plants. And then he goes, 90 days later. And then he takes the front piece of wood off, and he takes all these potatoes out. It's like bags full it's like he had 10 potatoes. Now he's got bags filled with his stuff. Huh? It's amazing. And he shows you like he's like putting them all there in a little basket. And uh, where was I going with this? Huh? Where was I going? Fruit of your labor. <laughs> Fruit of your labor. Wouldn't you want to be fruitful in everything you do? Like that guy. I'm almost inspired to go plant potatoes, but I know it's not going to work. 
<laughs> I have tried some of his other stuff. But wouldn't you want to be fruitful like the potato farmer? That when you dip stuff in cement, it somehow grows. <laughs> huh? I think we all would want to be fruitful. But what do we need? We need to know what God's will is. We need the Holy Spirit daily speaking into our lives. So that whatever it is that you do would be fruitful. Because like him dipping those potatoes in cement, it's, it's that thing somehow makes him being fruitful. I don't know where he got that from. must be God. <laughs> God designed potatoes. He knows how to grow them. But what is it that you need to do? Because sometimes it's dipping a potato in cement and everybody goes, What? But maybe God tells you to stand on a chair one day in church and worship him. And you go, what? You know that God does stuff right out of the box. He sometimes makes us lie down on the floor face down. Why? Because he's busy with us. He's doing something. And it pleases him when you do it. And when you do what pleases him, you'll bear fruit. It's amazing. Fruit grows. So the next thing is growing in the knowledge of God. So we're filled with the knowledge of what his will is, but we're growing in the knowledge of who he is. So as we're doing these things, and as they bear fruit, you go, oh, this is who God is. You see that picture? Didn't know how to plant potatoes, saw how to do it, did it, it works. Oh, that's how, that's who God is. As the things that you do bear fruit. So, I love it. The youth in, in Malpas did this thing where they go, what did they call that thing? That they went prophetically and prayed for random strangers. Street evangelism, yeah, but you called it something else. Treasure hunting. Okay, here we go. Well, I expose you to this. <laughs> treasure hunting. The youth went treasure hunting. You guys were around in, in Milnerton when that happened there. Uh, like in, in Edgemey, not. Didn't do it. <laughs> so here's what they do. They get together as youth. They pray. Then the leaders of the youth says this. Okay, guys, I want you to prophetically write down a person. Like on a piece of paper, I want you to write down a person and a place. So it'll sound like this. It's a guy wearing a billabong t-shirt at Big Bay with a kite board. Random. Won't find a guy like that. <laughs> that would be mine. <laughs> I'm playing the odds. <laughs> no. They would literally say a guy with a red shirt in Bayside Mall in front of Sturkinikor. And then they'd get in random cars and together. So who thought somebody in Bayside Mall? There we go. they all driving together. Who said beach? There we go. Some guys just walk down to the water. And then they go look for that person. And they wrote something down that they need to tell him. Here's the crazy thing. They met people with Billabong t-shirts at Big Bay with a kite board. Which is, 
You look amazed. Everybody's wearing a Billabong t-shirt at Big Bay. <laughs> and on a windy day, everybody's got a kite board. <laughs> Except the old lady that's hanging onto a poodle that's blowing in the wind like a kite. <laughs> but that's not the amazing part. They also wrote down something that they had to tell that guy. And they were right. They had so many people burst out in tears. Like, who told you this? Actually, I was feeling stupid at youth, writing down some words and making up things. And now that I'm standing in front of you, I'm amazed that God is using me. That's the fruit. Like, that's hearing God's will. That's pleasing Him and doing it. And then, when it's right, it bears fruit. And you go, wait a minute. That's God's will for him. That's God's will. I've got it. And that grow, makes you grow in the knowledge of who God is. Should we all go do treasure hunting? No. <laughs> you don't all have to go treasure hunting. But every day of your life is a treasure hunt. Every day that you go to work is a treasure hunt. You go, it's like, it's more difficult to hear things for people you do know than you don't. We were praying for somebody in the church recently. We asked guys from Mosul Bay to come and pray for her. Why? Because we know her. If we pray, I'm going to, I think I'm hearing God, but it's, I know your story. So now I'm bringing somebody in from Mosul Bay going like, they don't know you from a bar of soap. So when they start praying and they go, I feel this, you go like, whoa. Not because I can't hear God, but because Actually, now it's a random person that's hearing God. We're sure of this. And it helps us hearing the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. And we grow in the knowledge of who God is. Not of his will, but as we walk in his will, we grow in the knowledge of who God is. Then, to do that, Strengthened with power according to his might. That'll make you strong. Knowing who God is, that'll make you strong. That'll make you resilient. That'll make you, I don't care what you say. So that, again. So there's a second so that. It's, why do I need strength from God? Because you do. I do. We need to be strengthened by God. And he's got a lot of power. We do need to tap into that. Why? To have endurance. These are great words. We don't like them. Endurance, patience, and be joyful and thankful. Now, joyful and thankful sounds great to me. But endurance and patience. Uh, I love running for. Right? I love running up mountains. John, not so much. <laughs> but to run up a mountain, to run a long distance, you need endurance, and it takes time. You're not just going to be there. You pull away. Ah, there I am. This race that we run for God, following his will, is a long-distance race. We need endurance and we need patience. Life is not a YouTube video. You can't 
fast forward like day, 90 days. Great. Five minutes later, potatoes. <laughs> huh? It takes time. It takes 90 days, apparently, before you can harvest those potatoes. And oats are in this just 70. It's more oxygen. <laughs> but patience. We have to have patience. Patience with others, patience with yourself, patience with God. Like, we've got a community in, which is still called obvious community, <laughs> which obvious is no longer leading. <laughs> Thanks, Avia and Anel. You did a great job. It's your season. It's good. But I had a plan. My plan for the community. But it obviously wasn't God's plan. And the more time passes, it's been like a month now, that I, I thought it's like we're just going to bring a leader in and that's done. Great. And then, no, it's not just like that. God goes interfering. And changing my plan into his plan. Patience. The community members need to have great patience. With me and with God. But there is a plan. <laughs> and I think my plan is shifting more and more into God's plan. I'm going like, yeah, that's a great plan. God's going, yeah, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> it's my plan. Yeah, okay, it's your plan. <laughs> my plan was another plan. <laughs> Why couldn't I just have God's will immediately? Like now. I don't know. Um, that's not God's plan. God's plan is for me to grow into his plan. Endurance, patience. And then the nice part comes. When we've endured, when we've been patient, then there is great joyfulness and thankfulness towards God. So here's the nice last bit of that part of Colossians. And I don't want to skip this. So what has God already done for us as we sit here? What has God already done? Well, here it is. He says, you are already qualified to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of light. Nothing of this stuff you need to do to qualify. You are already qualified it doesn't say once you've pleased God and you've walked this road and you've grown in knowledge and you've done all everything. It says you're already qualified. It's like you've watched the YouTube video. You can do it. Not true in my case, but the point here is God does that. He says, I can fast forward all the way to the end. You are already qualified. You don't need to do anything to qualify to inherit the kingdom he qualifies you. It says he rescued us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus, which he loves. That he already did for us. And that's the part. We have redemption and forgiveness of sin. In a community question that came, that led to, to me reading this, but in the week was, one of the questions was, shouldn't we also do this? I'm not going to name it because then I have to explain it. 
<laughs> Should we also do this? Shouldn't we follow this little rule? And here's how God answered me when I asked the question. God said, so how are we saved? How do we have redemption and forgiveness of sins? Well, we have it because Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. And that I have accepted Jesus into my life. And therefore, he has done it. He has qualified me to inherit the kingdom. Oh, and do this other thing. Oh, no, it's not there. God had an opportunity to write that in his word right there for us. To say, well, he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness, brought you into the kingdom of his son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin, as long as you also do this. But he didn't. He didn't write and in there. And you won't find it anywhere in scripture. So living a life worthy of God, pleasing him in every way, bearing fruit, having the joy of seeing fruit in your life, growing in the knowledge, having strength in you, being made patient, all of those things, all of those things are just a dream for what we can be. We can reflect Jesus to the world in such a way. That's a great dream. It's not a failure if you fail in one of those things at some time. It's not, not going to cost you your, 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 your salvation. But doesn't it sound like a great dream? To know the will of God for your life. And all pivots around that one little sentence. So, who wants that? I want that. I'm going to pray for us. That as we walk into this week, we would become more sensitive to God's spirit and to him speaking to us. Every step of the way, when you wake up in the morning, wake up in the morning and say, good morning, God. What next? Where do I go? And then do it. And then you follow that. Then you're worthy. Then you please him. Then you bear fruit. Then you grow in the knowledge. And that strengthens you to do what? For breakfast, go, God, now what? Don't ask God what color tie you must wear. God's not your mother, he's your father. <laughs> now that, you for ask me. <laughs> he gave you me, Nathan. Teach you how to tie your own tie. <laughs> but good point. <laughs> you get me. It's, it's, not, it's not should I do the menial things in life. But God, what next? Where now? Before I pray. One little story still. Of uh, what is his name in Wellington? Uh, the guy in 
not that's not alive now, Murray, Andrew Murray. So this story is told of Andrew Murray's life. You know who Andrew Murray was? Yes? Uh, youth, you know who Andrew Murray was? I'll tell you later. <laughs> he was a great leader in the Dutch Reformed Church in the early 1900s when great revival broke, broke out over the whole of South Africa. Right. So it said this of him, that he was walking down the road of Wellington one day and he misstepped the sidewalk or something. So like he went, tripped, and, he, and then he stood. And the guys that were walking with him went on and he stood. And after a couple of meters, they're like, Andrew, you coming? And he's going, stuck back here. No, I'm not coming. And they walk back to him. They're like, what's wrong? He says, I, I almost tripped. And I went, and? <laughs> it happens every day. It's like, and he goes, no, I think, I'm not sure if God's with me. And I'm not moving until I know that God's with me. We see Moses do that. God goes, Moses, go with the, here's your command. Go, take them, go into the promised land. I'll send my angels ahead of you. I'll clear the way for you. No fight. You can just have Israel. There you go. Go. And Moses goes, God, are you coming? And he goes, no, I'm not coming. I'm sending my angels. I'm afraid if I come, I'm going to kill all of you. And Moses goes, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. Send them on, the, on their own. I'm staying with you. Find the will of God for your life, even if it means sometimes not doing something. Don't be paralyzed. So there's some things that you know you have to do. No, I don't have to tell you. You have to get up, brush your teeth, shower, um, put on deodorant. This is for the boys. Um, and, uh, and go to work. Do your schoolwork. You don't have to. That is God's will. Already, right? There's some things that he's already told us. But should I talk to this other kid at school about Jesus today? Ask God. What should I say? Ask God. Should I, should I join cricket, tennis, uh, basketball, and hockey, and CrossFit, and gym, and go run, and, and swim, and actually, you need to hear God somewhere. Because if you do all those things, whenever will you have time for family and for God's family? Right? They're fun things. Choose one. <laughs> Parents, help your children. Choose one. Sorry, that just came up. <laughs> Can I pray for us? Yeah, Father, we really, really, truly desire in our hearts to live lives that are worthy and pleasing to you, to bear fruit and to grow in the knowledge of, of who you are, God.
Father, I want to pray today that you, through the Holy Spirit, will fill us with the knowledge of your will. Father, we are hungry. We desire to know what it is that you have for us. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us in the days ahead, in the minutes, hours, and days ahead, so that we will clearly know what your will is. And Father, I'm asking that you would fill us with your power and strength so that we'll endure and have patience and that we would do it. That we'd be able to action it. Father, thank you for the gospel. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for us. Thank you for saving us, for rescuing us from darkness. Thank you for bringing us into your kingdom of light. And Father, help us reflect you better to the world. Help us to be clean and pure and white so that we can reflect you better, so that we would be those shining lights to those people outside of your kingdom. Yeah. Amen.